0: If you have your Bibles out, still turn to Joshua chapter 4. As we continue in this series in Joshua, I'll ask you to stand as a sign of reverence for this, the Holy Word of God, as we read and as you listen to this, Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 24. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste, and when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua on the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests, bearing the ark of the testimony, to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests, bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord, came up, from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan Joshua set up at Gilgal amen. You can be seated. How do you make things, dates, maybe important names that you need to be able to remember? And sometimes there's different ways that we can help ourselves remember those things. Sometimes they're mnemonics, right? Some letters that form a word, and then we take out of that uh, different words to help us remember a particular fact, or maybe the meaning of a word. Think of the word grace, and sometimes we say it's God's riches at Christ's expense, right? It helps us to remember what are all the different aspects of God's grace, Some of you maybe like to take photos, and so one of the ways that you remember what's happened in your lives is you take photographs, and you can go back, and you can go in your computer or scroll through your phone and remember what happened not just last week, but even years ago. Or repetition. That's one of the ways, certainly, that the Old Testament helps us to remember important facts. It repeats certain things, and we're going to see that tonight as we look at this particular text. Sometimes it's by markers. You've seen them on the roadsides, maybe where somebody has died in an accident. You see them in graveyards where we erect gravestones with people's names and the dates. We do that to remember them. Here in Joshua chapter 4, we see these stones or these rocks, and they're there to remind the people of Israel of some important facts, something that God has done, and this isn't the first time that... God has done this, that we've seen rocks or altars erected in order to remember. You can think of Jacob at Bethel when he's fleeing from his family and he has a dream of the stairway with the angels ascending and descending on a ladder or stairway. And after that dream, realizing that God has been present in that place, he erects an altar to remember what God had revealed to him there. Well, if you haven't been with us over the last few months, I preached from Joshua 3 about a month ago, uh, you're okay, because in a way, chapter 4 is a repetition of what we saw in chapter 3. It describes the same event, Israel crossing the Jordan River, finally arriving in the promised land. And as we come to this chapter here, The Lord is helping the people of Israel, telling them to remember what is happening here. Again, through these particular rocks, they're a memorial, they're a memory aid, they're tools to remember. And they're actually the first of seven different stone memorials that you'll see and find in the book of Joshua next one's going to be something of a different memorial as Achan, who sins in the taking of Jericho, is executed, judged, and then a heap of stones is piled over him and his family and his possessions. And then at the very end of the book, there is another stone of witness, a reminder to Israel to obey the law. But here, these stones are to remind the people of Israel that God has kept his promise. That God has taken them from the wilderness now into the promised land. And even though Joshua 4 doesn't use the word remember, I think that it very clearly shows us that what God is doing here is helping the people to remember the great deeds of God. Why do you need to remember? You need to remember because you easily forget. I know at least I do. We easily forget, and so we have to remember we're in danger of forgetting the past because it's gone, it's back there somewhere. But God wants us to remember. In fact, if you go back a book to the book of Deuteronomy, there, ten times the Lord tells Israel, don't forget. Don't forget all that I have done. Don't forget all that I have spoken to you. Don't forget the law. Don't forget the covenant. Don't forget what you have seen. And kids, I want you to see in particular this morning that there's a sense in which this chapter is written for you. Because... Twice in the chapter, you'll have noticed that the Lord says, when your children ask in time to come, they have questions. They say, what about these stones? What is this memorial for? Your parents, the parents, are to remember you and to be able to instruct you about what God has done. And that what's happening here is a connection of the generations. That God is saying... My mighty deeds, my mighty deeds of deliverance are not just for one generation, to save one generation and then be forgotten, but they're for the subsequent generation, for our children, for our children's children. And the only way that they will remember is if they are taught, if they are taught to see and recall what God has done. And so I want us to see tonight that God calls you, his people, to remember how he saves through the raging rivers, the Jordan River, but this too applies to us. So first, we'll see in verses 1 to 7 that we are called to remember that God delivers his people. When all the nation, verse 1 says, had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe of man, and command them, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. You notice first that as we think of God delivering the people, that he is delivering all of the people. Here's one of the first times that Israel is called a nation. The first time is back at the end of chapter 3, but here in chapter 4, verse 1, we read, When all the nation had finished passing over, they're now a true nation of people, not just a rabble wandering in the desert, not just former slaves delivered from Egypt, but they really are a nation, God's people, and God is delivering all of them. Right. When you talk about a nation, you're talking about a unity. You're talking about all the things that they have in common. Not what divides them, not what makes them different, but what makes them together a nation. And here is the nation. God's saying, these twelve stones representing the twelve tribes of Israel. God is saying, I have delivered. I am going to deliver all of you. No one is left behind children are not left behind. Even the livestock, all of their possession, nothing is left behind, but God is going to bring them into the promised land. We see that there are 12 stones, right? 12 men, one from each tribe, and they are each to take a stone out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. They're not just random rocks. They are taken from the very place where God had to do the miracle. Probably those rocks would not even have been visible when the Jordan River was just flowing. We talked about how it's not a raging torrent like you might see in a narrow valley, but certainly the water was flowing. Certainly it was deep enough to keep a people like Israel from crossing over. It required a miracle. And God says, take those stones out of the midst of the Jordan. Why stones? Well, I think it's because they're permanent, right? When you write something down to remember it, it's easy to lose that piece of paper. It's easy for that piece of paper to get wet, to be destroyed. Even over time, it's certainly going to wear down a lot quicker than a rock is going to. I remember when I was in college taking a geology class, and really what the class mostly entailed was looking at samples of rocks and learning to identify the different classes of rocks. And one of the ways that you could differentiate or separate different kind of rocks was to rub them against one another, because what would happen? Well, the softer rock would wear off on the one that was harder but it showed that it wouldn't have done any good to use gypsum rock. It just crumbles in your hand. But a good, solid, igneous rock would last. And that's what they were taking. It was something that was permanent. Think of the other places in the scriptures where we think of rocks or stones. Exodus 24, the tablets of stone where the law of God was written on it showing the permanent nature of the law of God, of what he had revealed. Here, showing the permanent nature of the memorial that God was putting before the people. Well, for God to Israel and Israel to God, they were the ones that needed to remember. But there's other connections here too, and I think of those stones, maybe you remember them in Exodus 28, the stones that were part of the priest's garment. He had two stones, one on each shoulder, and he had a breastplate that had precious stones in it. What were they for? Well, there on those shoulder stones were written the names of the tribes of Israel. We might say that it was for God to remember his people. Not that God forgot, but that God would see here is the priest coming to represent the whole of his people as he came into that holy place. Or on the breastplate, again, bringing the tribes to remembrance as the priest comes in and gives the sacrifices, prays for the people, remembering them before the Lord. Now, of course, we have an even greater way to be remembered before the Father in his very presence. It's Jesus, the mediator. He is the one who speaks for us, the people of God, brings our requests to him that they might be remembered. So they take these rocks, and they take them out of the Jordan. And then we read in verse 6, "...that this may be a sign to you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Your children are going to ask. And the job of these Israelite parents was to remember. To remember what God had done, what they had seen with their eyes, but then, in a sense, to remember it to their children, to tell them all that had happened. What are these stones to you? Last week, if you were here, you'll remember Pastor Crawford talking about covenant and that Old Testament word for covenant. And one of the ways in which the covenant is described is that they cut a covenant. You remember that? Like with Abraham when God came and he cut a covenant with him. He made a covenant, a founding of the covenant, and cut the animals in two. Well, here we have that same word there in verse 7. What do these stones mean to you? You shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And I think here there is a sense in which this is a deliverance. It's a picture of the deliverance God made from judgment. Because here are the people, think of it, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people making their way over dry ground and way up beyond the place they can see, the waters are stopped. God has stopped the waters there. He has cut them off. But there's always the danger of judgment, isn't there? If God is not holding those waters back, they begin to flow. The people of Israel are in big trouble. But the stones are a reminder that God has taken away their judgment. He has made a smooth path that they might come into his presence, right? That's part of what the promised land represented. That's what that place in Jerusalem on Mount Zion, where the temple was going to be built, that's the presence of God. God is saying, I'm making a way into my presence for you by cutting off the waters, so that you might not be cut off like Achan is going to be because of his sin in Joshua chapter 7. Instead of cutting them off in judgment, he cut off the waters of the Jordan. So they are to remember that they have not been judged. But they are also to remember, and it's really a memorial. That's the word that's used there at the end of verse 7. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial Forever. It's a sign for the next generation. What God is doing here at the Jordan River, He's saying, it's not just for you. It's not just for you, this generation that is finally, after 40 years in the desert, going into the promised land. But it is also for the generations to come. It's a memorial, it's a sign as we see back in verse 6, that this may be a sign to you. It's a sign, like the rainbow in Genesis, that God will never again judge the world by sending a flood. It's like the cross of Jesus Christ. It is a memorial to what he has done, the death he has suffered, and the fact that he's not on that cross anymore, but he has been raised from the dead. It's like the Lord's Supper that we celebrate every week. It is a memorial of what God has done and a memorial that we are called as the people of God to pass on to the next generation. That's the same word that was used in our reading earlier in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. That celebration of God delivering them out of Egypt and bringing them into the desert to worship God. That was to be a memorial, a reminder, saying, remember what I have done in delivering you. So we need to remember. We need to remember that God has saved us. We need to remember that he saved us as sinners. Maybe we can look back to our baptism. Maybe even you kids, you can ask your parents and say, show me some pictures of that day when I was baptized, when God made me a member of the church of Jesus Christ. And especially now, as maybe you're able to make that profession of faith and know for yourself, yes, I am a child of God. So we're called to remember that God delivers us. We're also called to remember that God gives his people rest. We're now in verse 8, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up the 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan. They obey, right? And already, again, this should be a picture for us that this is a different generation than the generation before. God says, talks to Joshua, Joshua commands the people, and they do it. They do it according to the number of the tribes of Israel. They carried the stones over with them to the place where they lodged, and they laid them there. They rested them there. And Joshua set up the twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant have stood, and they are there to this day. I don't think that there are actually two sets of stones. Maybe when you first heard that, you were kind of confused because it sounded like there's 12 stones set up in the midst of the Jordan, in the middle of the Jordan, and then later on, you see, well, they're set up across the Jordan uh, at Gilgal. I think it's that Joshua maybe better had set up these stones in the Jordan, and then they took them with them when they went out, when the priests finally came out of the Jordan. But here, God is saying, everything is finished. You have rest. And this kind of remembering of the rest requires real faith. This is this kind of already not yet. Because in one sense, we can say, right, they're across the Jordan now. They can remember what God has done, but they don't own the territory. The promised land is still full of all of these nations with big cities, with big armies. The people of Israel, in fact, have done nothing yet. And yet God is saying, you can be at rest because I am going to give you all of these things. And you'll see there in Verse 10, the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people. The people passed over in haste, and when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. God says to them, remember your rest. Remember that it's finished now. The place where you rest today in verse Three, lodge, rest. It's maybe not yet. Again, at the end of the book of Joshua, in Joshua 21.44, we see that same word again, rest, where God gave them rest on every side. The goal is accomplished. And yet we know that they didn't drive out all of the people, so it's still not finished. When is it going to be finished? Well, thankfully, we can know that God's faithfulness is never finished. And even though the people are going to disobey, sometimes they're going to be faithful, sometimes they're going to disobey, God continues to be faithful. And that well-known verse in Lamentations 3.22, Great is thy faithfulness, where that hymn comes from, the faithfulness of God never ceases, it never finishes. That's what God is saying to the people. Because I have done it, because you are now over the Jordan, just like I said, it's as if it's finished. The conquest of the land, I'm going to do it and you need to remember that I'm the one who did it, I'm the one who gave you rest and it is finished. And it of course has echoes of That word that our Savior speaks many, many centuries later from the cross. As he hangs on the cross, his work has finished and he cries out, It is finished. God has delivered us because Jesus' work is finished. God has given us rest because Jesus' work is finished. And what happens here for the people of Israel only points forward to that final finished work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. And so all of them passed over. It's important for us to remember that God always finishes his work. He is always a God who gives us rest. And when Satan comes to tempt you and test you and say, you're a sinner, look at all the wicked things you have done. You can say, no, but I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. I rely not on myself, but on Jesus' finished work. The one who has crossed the river before me, he has crossed, he's defeated death, and so I have hope there, and I can rest by faith in that. Remember that God delivers his people, remember that God gives his people rest, remember that God is with his people. You'll notice now as we come down to verse 15. That the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So far, the language has been going down into the Jordan, passing over the Jordan. But now the language that the author uses here is coming up out of the Jordan. They're coming up. Again, it's finished. It's done. But the question always for the people of Israel, not just here as they're about to embark on the conquest of the land, but that's really happened all through the 40 years and even before that is Is God with us? Is He going to remain with us? And the answer is yes. We can ask that question How do I know God is with me? An Israelite might have asked that. Well, we see it. Two times here, verse 16. First, command the priest bearing the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. And then again in verse 18, when the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place. The Ark of the Testimony, the Ark of the Covenant, that is how the people knew that God was with them. And it was a reminder to them that he was had been with them in the desert. He was with them as they're crossing the river, and he's going to continue to be with them. God had gone before. You remember that, that the priests had gone down into the Jordan first. God had gone down first. The waters had been stopped. Now it's safe for the people to cross. It's God's faithfulness, and all would have passed by that ark, right? Think about it. Here's the priest standing in the middle and they're all passing by, seeing the ark, seeing that God is with them. He is testifying to that. Kids, do you remember what's inside the ark? Inside the ark are the tablets of the law, right? Reminders of God's word. God's saying, I am going to be with you, Yes, I am a holy God, but by all the sacrifices, all the other laws, I'm going to allow you to draw near to know that I'm with you. The tablets are in there. There's the branch that budded in there. A reminder that God had chosen Aaron as his priest, that God chooses his leaders that he's going to use, who are going to lead the people, who are going to be able to do the sacrifices for them. And there's also a jar of manna in there. The miracle of the manna is about to end, and yet it's a remembrance, a reminder, that God is always providing for his people, just as he provided them physical bread in the wilderness. So he provides, day by day, the spiritual nourishment that they need. The second time that it's mentioned there in verse 18, it's called the Ark of the Covenant. God is faithful he keeps his covenant. You notice too that the ark doesn't stay in the Jordan, but what does it do? The ark too comes out. The people pass by, the ark comes out and God is with them in that promised land. As they come before the huge walls of Jericho, as they wonder, how are we going to conquer this people? How are we going to conquer this land? God is with them. And so the ark, place of God's special presence is always with his people. Of course the Old Testament reminds us again and again that God is with them. And he reminds them that that's ultimately going to be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ who comes and he takes on human flesh, he tabernacles with us. He is that Ark that has come down to be with us and who is with us now always by his Holy Spirit. Just uh, a couple days ago, we were at a wedding of a young lady who we first met when we were in Haiti. She came down on a short term team to Haiti. And it was back in 2018, and it was a kind of uncertain time in Haiti, but we felt like it was still safe for people to come, and we had gone and done a vacation Bible school uh, program, and we had come back to the mainland, and the next morning, everybody on the team was going to go back to Port-au-Prince to the airport and fly home. And that morning, I get a call from... My driver, and he says, Pastor Ben, I'm in Port-au-Prince. It's 5.30 in the morning. It's still dark. He's on his way, but he says, I, I'm in Port-au-Prince. I'm blocked in front and behind. These guys with stones are threatening to smash the windows on my bus. I just can't get out to you. So that's plan A, out the window, and now plan B. Well, plan B is to get everybody, 12 of us in my truck, all the luggage, pack it up, and try to see if we can make our way down to Port-au-Prince. And so we leave the compound. It's just getting light. We get about 10 minutes down the road, and all the buses are pulling off to the side, all the other things. I know something's not right up ahead, and we come up, and we see a roadblock. And there is a little kind of shack blocking, knocked over, blocking half the road, rocks on the other side, a guy with a rock. We're not getting past, because even if we get past the first roadblock, there's going to be many, many more along the way. Plan B is out the window. But the question is, right, in the midst of that, when for us it's plan A, no, plan B, no, we go on to plan C, the question is, will we trust, will we remember that God is in control, that God makes a way, and that for him everything is plan A? So thankfully we had heard not that long ago of a service uh, company that had helicopters and in God's providence there was a helipad just across the highway from our house that had been built years before. And So we called and they came and the team went home. They safely made it home. But we can remember that, right? We can remember that God was with us. We can remember that God delivered out of that situation, that danger, because we can look back. But the wonderful thing about the, the wedding and going and talking about it again and seeing is that we knew God was with us at the time in the situation, but now we look back and we see it again, and we see God's faithfulness again. We remember. Finally, we remember, we are to remember that God delivers even the nation's. Once again, in verse 21, we see that refrain, that question, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. There's that question again. What do these things mean? What do these memorial stones mean? What do these ceremonies mean that we do? What do these words of the scriptures mean for us? What do the stones mean? Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Joshua is saying, remember, God did it here at the Jordan River But he did it just like he had done 40 years previously at the Red Sea. Dry ground, a sea, a river, no way to dry that up. And yet God had miraculously done it. He had dried up those waters. But it's important for them to remember and to remember why, not just what he had done, that he had allowed them to pass over to get through the danger but so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. You see, God does these mighty deeds not just for us, not just for us who are the people of God, but he does them so that all the nations might know. He was doing something here even greater than what he did at the Red Sea. At the Red Sea, all of Egypt, Pharaoh, the king, they understood, they knew. But here at the Jordan, God is saying, this is so that all the nations might know. All the nations who were there in the promised land standing against the Lord. But ultimately, that all the nations of the world would know. That they would know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That he has done it. He has done this great miracle. And what's amazing to me, if you think about it, here we are at the end of chapter 4, as God is taking people into the promised land, Israel hasn't really done a single thing yet. And that's going to be true even as they come to the walls of Jericho. God is going to do it all. He is the one who's going to deliver them. That's what they need to remember. They need to remember that the hand of God is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God had already made that true for Joshua. That through all of these events, God was exalting Joshua so that they might follow him just like they had followed Moses. But ultimately, standing behind all of that, they are called to fear God. That you may fear the Lord your God forever. And that's exactly what happened. Probably we should have read Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. All they saw was judgment. But for Israel, what they were called to see was God's might, his faithfulness, and to fear him. And so this is a call again for us to be a people who are telling the nations this gospel, this deliverance event that points us to Jesus, to tell people that God delivers from bondage, bondage of our sin and our misery, to tell people that they can find rest in Jesus. To tell people that God is with them. Doesn't matter if everybody else has abandoned you, God is with you if you trust in him you don't need to fear judgment any longer And to tell them that God is faithful so remember who it is that delivers you remember who it is that helps you that gives you rest remember who it is who is with you it is God himself it is Jesus by his spirit And remember that God delivers even the nations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your goodness and your grace toward us. We pray that we would remember all of your mighty deeds, that we would remember all of your words of encouragement to us as the people of God, and that we would know that they are true, that we would be a people who witness to that truth, even to the nations around us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would take these words, that you would help them to apply it to our lives, that we would be indeed teaching the next generation, and that these words of Joshua chapter 4 would be true of our generation as well. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us to be faithful to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.